1: Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever. Interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I am joined today to radiate recovery with Dr. Jolene Nichols of New Hope. New Hope is a treatment center and is a recovery center for people experiencing addiction. And this is a big problem for us right now, which uh, is why I invited Jolene to join me today. Hello, Jolene. It's so good to see you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Did I say that right? New Hope Recovery? What, what is the full title? Uh, New Hope Services, but a lot of people just
2: call it New Hope, <laughs> Outpatient SUD Treatment.
1: Yes. And you're located in the uh, Lenexa area of Kansas City, so local and local to me as uh, uh, a practitioner in Kansas City, Missouri. And you've But you've been doing this for a while. How long have you been in recovery
2: I have been um, very uh, specific in my entire career with um, substance use disorders, and I've been in the field, I'm going on 26 years at this point. Um, so 20 of those years are, t- are about uh, with Valley Hope Association, um, which is a large treatment entity um, across the nation. And then just coming out on my own and dealing with people one-on-one again, which um, find great value in.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there is great value in inpatient and group and things like that, but that one-on-one connection, you can really take a deeper dive and uh, get to know them a little better. And so your, your center there has a little bit of a different model. Can you tell us a bit about how you approach things there at New Hope? Um,
2: Absolutely. So we, you know, in the industry, people, Um, In different treatment centers, whether that's at a residential level, at an outpatient level, we always talk about, we individualize treatment to the person. But really, when we say that, it's not 100% accurate. Um, Most of the time, our treatment centers have protocols that they have to follow. So if you're following protocols, it's hard to really kind of integrate and do um, individualized care for someone. So as I walked out of like big big uh, treatment facilities and went to something smaller that I could just really do what I wanted to do, what I felt was the right way to approach a person one-on-one. We started integrating services. We have two naturopathic um, doctors um, that are a part of the practice and um, they look at the whole health aspect of a human being. Um, I look at the whole health aspect from a psychological perspective, and they take a medical perspective. Um, and so, you know, we believe in natural supplementation, you know, versus traditional um, medication uh, to treat a lot of different things that people struggle with these days. Um, so, like putting in your body something that's a lot more safer than all the toxic um, medications that are out there with all the different side effects. Um, we do a lot of different types of modalities. We do neurofeedback, we do biofeedback, um, we do acupuncture, we do different, wa- different ways to approach a person based on absolutely their individual needs. You know, and everybody's treatment looks different. Um, the bottom line is we believe in those connections is really meeting that person where they're at, forming a relationship, and walking that journey with them. We have recovery specialists um, that will also be a part of uh, somebody's journey where they can call them and they can talk to them. And if they're struggling, they've got somebody that understands what they're dealing with in their recovery journey. So we have all these different things and we sit down together and we decide, what do you need? What do you need support-wise? What do you need length of treatment-wise? to just kind of integrate it in and really focus on that person.
1: Right. And it seems, it sounds like that would be a really effective approach because you're not just looking at coming together for a group meeting or something, which is there's, there's value in that, Mm -hmm. but you're looking at supporting them with their health. You know, they're making a change to what they're putting in their body and need to have some support there. And then if you're a psychologist and uh, offer that part of it as well. Um, So you've been in this business for quite a long time and have quite a bit of experience. So why did you choose to go into recovery and substance abuse in the first place? Um, That's a
2: very good question. So another thing, which kind of uh, is the reasoning behind what I do, is that we do here, we don't just focus on the person that's struggling with the issues. We also really integrate the family. So the family aspect, getting family educated, informed, helping them learn how to cope with you know, what they're dealing with and what recovery means, I think is a very critical aspect um, to bring things together. Um, I grew up in an a, a, a alcoholic home. Um, the people that I had in my life um, as a child and as an early adult, um, they all died from it. You know, they choose they not to get help. And um, I believe, I mean, I don't look at that as this, yeah, I miss them. I love them. I think it's part of life that we deal with. But I think it was that I experienced that to do what I'm doing today. Because otherwise, there would have been no motivator, motivating factor in order to really be very specific in this form of treatment. So, you know, I lived with it. Um, I experienced the family side. I watched the process. I watched people change from who they once were to becoming somebody very different. Um, And I wanted to be a person that could reach out and help not only that person struggling, but the family member that has no idea what's going on and can't understand.
1: Right. Because as family members, um, they are part of this dance of substance abuse And it definitely affects the whole family and supporting the family too, I think is an important distinction because not all, I mean, the residential treatment centers from what I know of uh, don't really support the family in that, in quite that way. Right. Right. It's very
2: minimal. And a lot of times um, patients that come in, we do groups. We have groups in the evening. We have groups at noon, but sometimes it's just getting the family in and being a part of something Helps them make sense of things and helps them understand how they've changed in the process because it's not always evident um, initially. You change gradually over time and then you you stop one day and you go, um, I don't even know when I started doing that. Or I don't know when I changed to the point that I don't really kind of recognize myself anymore. And that's a natural byproduct of living with something that you have absolutely no control over.
1: right. Right. And so you grew up in a home with alcoholism. And of course, that is one of the many things that you can treat. What other addictions do you talk to people about?
2: Um, Alcohol, drugs, um, gambling addiction, Mm
1: -hmm. sexual
2: addiction, um, and, and integration. What I see most often or more often than not is that there's a variety of addictions going on. So we look at the eating. You know, we look at our naturopathic doctors are amazing at working with, you know, people that have eating disorders or that they are struggling with a food addiction because really looking at food a different way is the key. And they, that's one of their specialties within their um, medical, you know, they go to regular medical school and then they go to alternative medicine. And so that's one of the major focuses. So um, we can deal with any type of addiction. Maybe I'm not the one doing some of it, But we have clinicians that that do deal with different things. So we also I also have a licensed clinical psychotherapist that works, you know, at New Hope. We have our docs, and then I really only do the substance use. I that's my focus.
1: That's your focus, right. And then of course you're the you're the head of the organization and um you know lead it very effectively. And so with New Hope, you do offer just like the whole whole package. Something I did want to touch on is um, what's maybe what, what addiction is. Like, where do you say, okay, this is not an addiction and this is an addiction?
2: Okay. So, um, you know, it used to be a lot easier to define when they said abuse or dependence. Right. Um, our industry has changed that to be substance use disorder, mild, moderate, or severe. So things have changed in the last several years and everybody's had to adjust their thinking. Um, what I think is that when we are, are looking at our own issues with drinking or drug use or anything, that we have this perception in our mind of what an alcoholic or somebody that's a drug addict looks like. You know, traditionally, the, the guy that's living under the bridge in a box with a, a brown paper bag that he's drinking out of. OK, we're conditioned to think that way. And really what addiction is about is it doesn't cry. It doesn't care who you are, what color you are, what race you are, what nothing. None of that matters. I, I see it at every socioeconomic level. Um, I always tell people, because it's, it's complicated, you know, you have certain factors that you've got to meet in order to be diagnosed with a substance use issue. You know, um, I ask people if you're drinking in a way that other people comment on your drinking, your loved ones have a problem with how you're drinking and make comments, or it is affecting any, anything in your world, your job your, your recreational activities, your friendships, your anything, if it's affecting it, you should look at it. And it doesn't mean you're a chronic alcoholic, but it may mean that you're using to the point that it is interfering in your life. And that that's a, the most simplistic way to put it that everybody can relate to is that if I'm drinking every day and I'm getting in arguments with my wife, then maybe I need to look at that. Because 9 out of 10 times, it's usually about that I'm drinking, and then the, the problems start. They usually are not before I'm drinking. So there's different ways to look at it. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so is it mostly the, the family that's, that's saying, hey, you might want to go talk to somebody? Or is it the person themselves saying, I think I need help?
2: Um, You know, that's that's a good question, because if it's later stage addiction or alcoholism, where they have crossed a line where they cannot stop, you know, even when they try not to drink or use that day, they do it anyway. When they get in that cycle, sometimes they're the ones coming for help. But when it's earlier stage where people are starting to see that shift and change in that person, that's when I usually hear a lot more from the family is is this. A problem? Should I be looking at it this way? They're reaching out to say, am I crazy? Am I thinking wrong? Something's going on here, but I can't put my finger on it. That's usually the kind of calls that I initially get. And then we start looking at patterns, behaviors, amounts that somebody's using. Um, and then it becomes evident that maybe that person shouldn't be drinking as much as they're drinking. So.
1: Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And so in a person who has a substance abuse disorder, like what type of, um, like what could, what could lead someone to have a substance abuse disorder?
2: Okay. A variety of things. So, you know, I personally, there's people that don't believe this. I do believe in the genetic aspect of addiction. So I'll see it from generation to generation to generation, the dad, the father, the father's son, Um, and sometimes that is, um, you know, you start drinking and then very quickly, you know, physiologically your body reacts and it, it craves more and more of of the substance. So that's more of a genetic piece. The the majority of people that I'm seeing anymore, anxiety and stress related stuff, um, right now in our world with the changes, seeing a ton of people that their anxiety and their worry or their fear or their isolation is leading them to, to drink alcohol. They're not drinking for any other reason than they don't have anything else to do or they're trying to eliminate the anxiety or they're trying to reduce the stress in their life. That's how it starts. Or it starts that I'm going out with my friends after work for drinks, it becomes a habit. And then at some point it, it, it gets taken to the next level. Mm-hmm. Nobody starts out saying, I want to have a substance use problem, you know?
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I would worry about somebody who set out that way. <laughs> and I think you make a very good point about uh, the times we're in. COVID, of course, um, we're all having to do everything from home. Or some people are, are returning to work at an at a actual workplace. But many of us are working uh, from home, um, you know, I'm lucky to have an office and of course your new hope services is still open as an essential yeah. business, but so many people are having to, um, stay home and, um, may face a lot of stress because of that, because it's a, a change to the routine. It's, um, you're not able to socialize as much and, um, it can be, and then just the economic pressures too. So you've seen a lot of spikes in, not only in COVID, but in abuse and uh, substance abuse. Yeah.
0: yeah Huge.
2: What? You know, it, I didn't hear it, but you know, I had several patients that made the comment that President Trump, you know, of uh, the president says he he expects to see a spike in people with substance use disorders. Hmm. Yeah, I would expect it. Um, the bottom line for all of this is that it is the change process as human beings. We don't like to change the person that says, I like to change. mm, I'm not so much believe in that because it's different and we have to adjust ourselves to it. And all of these changes that happen in such a, I mean, a short period of time, it's hard for people. And initially it's like, okay, I can do this. Then you got 30 days that go by and then you start feeling overwhelmed with it. And you start seeing the boredom and the social isolation. All of those pieces are just so different than what we're used to as human beings. And they're, everyone's looking for something to do. If, if I've got everybody at home, what is most of the times I'm going to do? I'm going to cook good food. I'm going to have alcohol. All of those pieces start coming into effect. And when it starts feeling good, and that kind of thing is working for you, you're gonna do more of it. So those that have not been struggling are struggling, and those have been struggling to begin with are really kind of getting out of control during this time.
1: And we've got this perfect storm, the trifecta in a way, we've got COVID. We've got, so basically we've got the 1918 pandemic all over again. We've got the, the Great Depression all over again and economic issues on it with individuals and then we've got the civil rights era again with all of the protests about, about police brutality and yeah. social justice so we've but we've one at a time is stressful enough right we've now got we've a, got three yeah right all on top of each other right yeah. and the stress um has to have an outlet somewhere and unfortunately, it yes. can have an outlet in uh, substance abuse. Now, something you said about the genetic portion of it, I think, is very interesting. Of course, just on a personal note, my grandfather was just a, a raging alcoholic. Um, so it's something I just watch in myself. My uncle was as well, and it's just something we watch. But, you know, if I am an energy practitioner, and so I look at the energy of it. And you know, the things that we're raised with beliefs, the patterns, the thoughts, the responses um, all of that that we're raised in we that that's what I feel we tend to inherit, yes. And after time, it does make its way into the genetic code, yeah. But you know, there's also all of that that we're raised with,
2: yeah and that's proven by science. So, but there's still people that don't embrace that part. It's you don't have to. It doesn't matter. If you have an issue, no matter where it came from, there are very specific steps to making things better. So, yeah, absolutely. And
1: so, walk me through those steps to make it better. Like okay. someone comes to you, how does that how does that work? Um,
2: you know, again, Individualized. I support the 12-step program of recovery. I I believe very strongly in that. Um, I also promote the SMART program where it's more about that impersonal empowerment. Um, I support just somebody working through what they specifically need in their own lives or incorporating other things in it. You know, some people are more... um, exercise based where now they're going to replace they're going to do a workout and they're going to have a system that they put in place to replace the times that they drink or to replace the feelings of worry, upset, anxiety, etc. Um we work a lot with meditation, you know, yoga, doing those kind of things as a holistic approach to somebody getting better, got kind of getting in tune with themselves and looking at their motivation for the drinking. Um but whatever the program is, doesn't matter. Again, that's individualized what works for that person based on their beliefs. Um, It's looking at that and and deciding how do I feel each day with something that is recovery oriented. There is a didactic series that I think is very important for people to understand what addiction is, to understand the brain mechanisms behind it. So one of our Uh, Docs will always work with each patient for them to understand brain processes, how different drugs process in the brain, how it affects the emotional, the mind-body connect, and how we forget that piece, but it's very, very essential in this process. Um, So we have a didactic series that we do with that person, um, regardless of what their thoughts or beliefs are. It's just general, important information. And then we start looking at what needs to change because as somebody follows themselves through the addiction process, things get left behind, friends get left behind. So a lot of times we don't have social support. We don't have family support sometimes. And it's so it's reintegrating pieces back into somebody's life that help them be a well balanced human being. And everybody needs somebody, you know, everybody needs the, their outlets um, if they're working a 12-step program, then we talk about those support meetings as being one of those aspects. Um, if they're not, then we talk about who's in their world or, or if they're not in their world, what they can do or where they can join to have that as a presence in their life. So we start with that and then we start with that inner connection to themselves. What, where's their motivation? Um, what's so out of kilter? What's so wrong in their lives? that needs to be looked at or changed. Um, and then we just kind of put the whole package together and we start doing daily routines that support them at least for the first 90 days. Then after that, you, you, it gets a little more flexible at that point. But the first 90 days is pretty, pretty dedicated to a routine because they've gotten out of routines in their using.
1: Right. And like you said, you know, we, we fear change. We don't, we just kind of recoil at change. And so having 90 days establishes some pretty good habits. Yes. And how does, how does someone going through this program know when, when they're better when they're not subject to this or does that even happen?
2: Um, they have, I, I call them light switch moments Um, They have light switch moments. So what I know in my years of of doing this and, you know, even if we say 25, 25 years is a really long time to specifically work. Um, There are milestones, in my opinion. I see milestones at 30 days and I can usually say on day one, at 30 days, you're going to see A, B and C occur in your life. At 60 days, you're going to see A, B, and C. At 90 days, and we're always looking for those milestones to kind of put the connections together of how they're feeling. It's kind of like that retouch point for, for them. At 30 days, they start feeling better physiologically. It can take up to two years for the physiological processes to come back into alignment from pre-using. So we're, we're always making people aware. Um, of those different pieces, but at 30 days, it's kind of like, you feel like I've done it. I can do this. You know, it might've been hard, but I accomplished something. I accomplished my first goal at 60 days. We start seeing a lot of the cognitive psychological processes come back more in alignment. Um, and then at 90 days, it's almost like they feel more comfortable. And I'll, I'll hear this word consistently. I feel comfortable in my own skin for the first time. So different milestones, different feelings that you get. And I'm always about connecting the feeling to what's going on because if I can feel it, then I might believe it more.
1: Did you know that radiate wellness has a subscription based premium content Facebook group? Think of it like the premium version of this free podcast. In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls, plus you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price, and the first month is half off you can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash shop. Click the subscriptions button and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening.
2: So, yeah, there's definitely milestones along the way. Um, And there's also what we call post-acute withdrawal pause. And there are things that you have to look at for the first two years of recovery. And there are things that can start occurring in your life that the family can go, oh, wait a minute, something's going on. It's kind of like also their reminder that something may be happening for that person if they're starting to see these certain things happen in their life. So that might be all of a sudden there's an increase in anger that hasn't been there. There's an increase in anxiety. Um, you're um, not eating as much. You're stepping back on meeting attendance. You're doing certain things. And what pause basically is is that it is the time frame that it takes for your the body mind connect the body and the mind to get back to a normal level of functioning without the alcohol, kind of repairing the damage that was done
0: mm-hmm. from
2: excessive using. So it's kind of like that time frame where the body and, and the psychological part of the mind are kind of saying, okay, there's no alcohol. How do I get back to normal? It's, it's a process that you work through and each thing that you're doing and you're staying away from the alcohol or drugs helps the body and mind start to heal. And during that time when it shifts, guess what? Things can happen. We can have an increase in anxiety. We can have a step back in our routines. We can start getting angry. Um, if you are working with somebody in, in a treatment environment, even outpatient, the clinician can see that two weeks prior to somebody using it again, they start seeing the changes in behaviors. That's one of the most important things about that therapeutic alignment in substance use is that having somebody that's at your level of, of accountability and that they can see those things in you and help you not to get to that point of drinking or using again.
1: Oh, wonderful. And how do you, how do you, how do you do, how do you provide this level of accountability for your patients?
2: Um, most of my patients, I work with them for one year it is the, the standard and they are, they, most of them still come at least twice a month. I have people that have chosen every week I'm coming for my accountability and we look at things and we talk about what they're doing and we work through problems, but on a whole, if they're coming once a month and we're going through that and there's there's um, uh, phone contact during that month, they might come to a group during that month and they're getting feedback. You can see I can tell just because I've done it so long, but I can tell sitting down and talking with somebody for an hour once a month what's shifted, what's changed, what's good, what's bad. And then it's always, always double checking with that person that they have chosen to be their contact, whether that's the wife, whether that's a child, whether that's a father or a mother, it's, it's confirming the information that you're getting so that you have, you know, kind of a whole accountability of that person in their, in their recovery journey that month.
1: Right, okay, right, right. right there's lots of is, pieces. There's a lot of pieces. And you uh, had mentioned the 12-step programs. Um, And so do you provide like space for 12-step programs to meet there at New Hope? Um, That's something that AA doesn't go into treatment
2: centers. So that's kind of like an industry role for for them and their bylaws and for treatment centers. Um, But I offer um, therapeutic process groups several times a week. They're, They're no charge if they're a patient. So they don't have to pay for individual and group and this, you know, they just kind of do their whole package. Very, very inexpensive in comparison. But when they come to those groups, it's kind of like a, kind of like a 12-step group. Um, so people that don't connect with 12 steps, they come to those groups. And then I have people that go to 12-step meetings and those groups, um, again, is what they're setting up for the level of accountability they feel they need on a weekly basis. Right. And this is a daily journey. I mean, it's a daily thing for somebody in recovery. Every day, you have to have that level of awareness that you really haven't had before.
1: Well, I think, isn't it a saying in AA, one day at a time?
0: Or, mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. If I live in today, then um, I don't have to worry about drinking if I am actually living in today. But as people, we're, we're always one week ahead, one year ahead. 10 years down the road, we're conditioned that way. And it really is hard if you ever try to just stay in today. It's hard. It's hard
1: to do that. Or we're we're in the past too.
2: Correct. One and, or the other.
1: <laughs> and so this is where mindfulness and meditation would come into play as well, I can imagine. Absolutely.
2: I'm a and we are a big believer in that. We do meditation groups, we have an online portal that's free to our patients. It's a private portal. It's got all kinds of addiction information, mental health. It's got videos of somebody walking through meditation. So you can just click it on if you need a resource. It has self-help tools for them to use. Um, It's just got everything they kind of need in conjunction with. They can email me through there, you know, through the private portal. So if they're, you know, coming twice a month, but they're struggling, they can just put their thoughts and feelings and send it off and have somebody that's going to respond that
1: day to them. Oh that is a valuable service.
2: Yeah, we built it and so we're pretty proud of it because there's articles and resources. We spent a whole year before opening creating this private portal so that families and the person struggling have a set of resources that they can always go back to, you know. Anything I would say is in there. So if they think I don't remember what Jolene said, but it would, you know, that was something that really hit me, they can go, go in there and they will find it. So,
1: yeah, that's wonderful. And that, because that's 24 seven, you yes. know, you're not available at two o'clock in the morning. Someone is having a crisis of conscience right then you're not available, but the portal is.
2: Yes. And then when I get it, I know they're up at two in the morning. And so my mind goes, okay, what's going on? You know, so they give me clues through what they do too.
1: Oh, good. Oh, that's a very good point. And then what you do, what you provide there, it's uh, covered by insurance, isn't it? Yes.
2: We take some insurance. So we take United Healthcare, We take Cigna. Um, I have a great relationship with Aetna. I do out-of-network with Aetna. And so as long as there's out-of-network benefits, which most policies have them, I have a great working relationship with them. And um, we do out-of-network with Blue Cross. And I have a decent relationship with them, too. They're more medical based. They're more medical um, management based. But yeah, so we take insurance. We work with people. We have some charity care that is available if somebody can't afford the cost of treatment. Um, And we're really I mean, I know you hear people say that we really are about helping the human being. And and if they walk through that doors, it's almost like I feel like they're supposed to be there. That's my prayer every day you know, that I put in the air is that bring me the people that I am supposed to, or that I can partner with to help. And so it's worked beautifully since the beginning. Um, I haven't lost a patient. So, you know, all of the patients come in some capacity, they stay connected and um, that that matters, that, that helps in the process of being able to stay sober and making good changes in your life.
1: Right. To have an accountability partner, someone you trust, someone who knows your struggles and knows about the brain and can can truly help. And I feel like what you do can truly, truly help people and their families to just uh, to recover who they are. Um, And it seems in a way that, um, you know, the substance abuse might be the top layer, the icing on the cake. But it's just the maybe the last thing to fall into place, just someone who's got some internal pain and internal healing to do, right? And so, of course, that's something that you can help people with is their relationships that they had growing up, their inner child woundedness that they have growing up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When anybody comes in, there's always emotional pain attached and it's usually either from childhood or college years, those kinds of things, or maybe just, you know, um, unhappy relationships of their past. Um, but I I think that the, the uh, what makes the difference for people when they actually get to a place that they feel like I call this place a, pre, a place to breathe. Because mm-hmm. people will just stop by, even if they don't have an appointment, say, can I just sit here for like 10 minutes and just get myself grounded again? You know, because I this is my place of acceptance. So sometimes for people that are, are taking that risk and they step in to get help, it's the first time in their life that maybe they haven't been judged, you mm-hmm. know, as as human beings. There's no judgment here. And so that automatically provides a level of, I can do this. You know, I feel like this is something that I can partner with and maybe be successful at their fear is not being successful. So. Right. And maybe they've
1: tried before and weren't successful. Correct. Correct. think, well, what is this? What, what difference is this going to make? But I want to try one more time. Yep. That's an excellent point. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been there at the, uh, your location in Lenexa? Um two years um as
2: far as the actual um therapy part and we well it's been over a year now for the uh SUD facility where we expanded out and added the providers. So a couple of years. And what is um, SUD? Oh, substance use disorder. So yes. that's the that's a little quote. That's the the short version of it is SUD.
1: Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the S-U-D. Okay, because I was like, hmm, S-U-V? No, S-U-D. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks like you've got a lovely facility there. It's just so, it looks so peaceful and calming and relaxing and inviting. Do you ever work with people outside of the area because you know, people listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube, they can be all over the world. Do you ever work with people outside of the Kansas City area? Um, I, I work
2: with people outside of the Kansas City area in the state of Kansas. So I've got Lawrence people in Topeka. I do a lot of telemedicine, especially during this time because some people, especially the older population or people that have some conditions like asthma and things, a lot of them are wanting to do telemedicine. We have Actually, there's quite a few I'm working with that's never been into the office just because of this, you know, unusual time. Um, So I do do telemedicine. Um, Our naturopathic physicians, um, actually, they come in several times in the month, but they actually have also a a very large practice in Arizona. So we work with a lot of Arizona clients Um, for that. I do a lot of like the coaching, the life coaching and things like that. Because in in this industry, it's very specific to your state. So you have to be licensed in each state in order to do substance use disorder treatment. Um, But I do a lot of, you know, that emotional coaching and life change transitions, bereavement, those kind of things in that type of modality that's not substance use related, if that makes any sense. We do a variety of things.
1: Right. No, I did not realize that was even an option. So you do yeah. some emotional coaching, some just life coaching, life skills yes. coaching around it that is not necessarily psychology. Right. But that draws from your knowledge. Correct. And that- there's
2: people that prefer that. There's people that would prefer that partner that walks through some of these journeys with them and they don't like the stigma or the classification of I'm in therapy or I've got a substance use problem. I mean, there's a lot of preconceived uh, notions that people have, uh, again, based on where did you grow up? What was the views in your home? You know, they, they're lasting when we're younger. And so there are people that I work with just on, how to make changes in their life and how to set goals and how to accomplish those goals. And we do that in treatment, but it also can be done in a different capacity.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. No, that is great. So actually people around the world could work with you. Yes. Yes. that In that capacity. In the coaching capacity. Yep. The coaching capacity. Absolutely. In a coaching capacity around changes they need to make in their life. For their right. health and their well-being, no, that yeah. is that is wonderful because we do have listeners in you know all different countries, so um, you know quite a wide umbrella. Yes, and um, so what is your website where people can find you? It
2: is www.newhopeservice.com. And on there, it has information about the private web portal. It has all kinds of just really general information, anyways, on you know substance use, mental health, acupuncture, biofeedback, neurofeedback. We kind of define it out so people understand what those different modalities are. And then the private portal has all that information, resources um, nationally, and you know Kansas, Missouri, Arizona, different surrounding states. We have a lot of. I, I put it out there. Here's pr- treatment providers that are really good. You know, all of them that are in either any of those states are listed in the website so okay. that you have
1: options. So there's a couple things I want to circle back to. So the website is newhopeservices.com, but that's not N-E-W hope. It's, it's
2: N-E- N-U. <laughs> N-U-H-O-P-E and then service.com
1: new hope n-u-h-o-p-e service.com which we'll put that in the show notes so people can click on that but i did want to say that just in case somebody started googling and putting that in the search bar so there's a there's an alternate spelling the other thing i wanted to circle back on was acupuncture yes so you had stressed the naturopath but you also have acupuncture services yeah, and actually,
2: natural paths are specifically trained and licensed in acupuncture. So they do that service, and um, they do the neurofeedback, and they do the biofeedback, and they do the meditation. and the the uh, female natural path, I have their husband and wife, she is the yoga instructor, and she is, I mean, just genuinely lives her spirituality. Um, and they're blessed to be in Arizona where they can go to Sedona for their getaways. So, um, you know, they come out. here and they have there.
1: Right. Oh, so, I mean, you, you, your practice really does incorporate the, the mind, the body, the soul, the spirit, yes. as spiritual beings. And the spiritual journey of substance abuse, the spiritual journey of alcoholism, drug addiction, Yep. Sex addiction, gambling addiction, all of these things, the spiritual journey, because there's so much we learn from these journeys that we're on. Yes. Wow, that is fantastic. And um, there's always something underneath that to get.
2: If you look at it from a spiritual perspective, there's always something there. And and if people can kind of align with that or get in, get in connection with it, life really does change. You know, they, they'll say every day. I never imagined the life I'm living today. I thought my life was okay before or good before, but today it's different than I've ever imagined it could be. And that's just with their own realizations and their own connections and their, and their spiritual or their, their, um, or their religious or whatever. I mean, I work with a variety of people when they enhance that piece is when I see the most significant change.
1: Right. Now, something occurs to me, you know, they, there's kind of like, maybe this is a trope, I don't know, maybe this is just a, a saying, but, you know, you have to hit rock bottom, and you have to want to help, want to get help, and you want to make change. I mean, how, how true is that? How badly does somebody have to want to change in order to make these changes?
2: Okay, so yeah, it makes total sense. So I think it's a, depending on the level or the severity as far as the rock bottom goes. They're both two different things to me in my thinking. So the rock bottom, yeah, there's people that are chronic alcoholics but haven't lost anything. And so they can't, the denial system of addiction and alcoholism, it's strong. It's, it's I've never seen the likes of it in any other area in, in my world. The denial system is so strong. And the person has changed so much that they can't, they can't see the true severity of where they're at. So the more they lose, the more they're motivated to change. So I, I would agree with that. But I've worked with a lot of people that haven't lost anything, that have gotten sober and that are 20 years sober. So I just think it depends on the person. I think the more trauma I see that's associated, the more, you know, Heavy things kind of makes it harder for somebody. Um, But, you know, again, I think it's where the person is. In this industry, they will say, you have to hit rock bottom. You got to want to change. I think wanting to change applies to anything that we do in life. We don't do it 100%. We don't do it with a level of um, success if there's not something in us that says things need to be different. And I wanna do it different. It's just it's getting that motivational factor in place in order to make change happen. So I think anybody has to have, I can I tell people I can work with this much motivation. That's all I need is this much of what you want to change. Because as we go through this process, you will find that if this is truly what you're supposed to do right now in your world, then you will get it. And if not, then maybe you do have to go out and experiment a little bit more before you come back.
1: Right, 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 right. And so, um, you know, if someone is not willing to make those changes, you said you've never lost a patient yet. And, um, but do you ever find that there are those who might need to have residential treatment or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
2: they usually will come back. But yeah, absolutely. I'll get somebody in and I'll go, we really need to get you safely detoxed. Because there is with certain drugs that you can die from it, coming off of it. So alcohol, benzodiazepines, those are the scary ones. Um, And if you are a person that, you know, after two days of not drinking, you start shaking really bad or you're having seizures, you need to have a medical staff that's watching you and providing some type of medication assistant during that detox period. Um, just any more. And then they'll go and detox, maybe stay a week or two. And then they come back to new hope and we move on with a whole different outlook because they've actually went through a period where they have been off the alcohol. So, um, any more, it's sad. There are places out there, don't get me wrong, but like here locally in Kansas city, a lot of people don't keep them past, you know, seven to 14 days. So our traditional 30-day treatment of the past doesn't really exist anymore unless you're paying out of pocket for it. Yeah. You know, it goes on medical necessity and as a whole, people don't stay that long anymore. So outpatient becomes very critical in the process of partnering with that person to help them move forward. You know, the other thing is that in a residential center a setting, you're detoxing and you're in a safe place so that you don't have access to the alcohol or drugs. But the real living starts when you walk out the door and you have to go back home. So that's, you know, outpatient to me is a critical piece in the process as far as how do I learn how to coexist in my home again? How do I learn how to stay away from people that were probably not the right people for me to be around, you know, that drink a lot or use a lot? And how do I start working through all the, the destruction that maybe I've caused with my using and still not use and deal with my emotions. So outpatient to me is critical.
1: That is critical. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you're, when you're at home and when you're with the people that you're usually with, there's so many temptations and, you know, especially with, I mean, with drugs, it's difficult to, to many drugs are difficult to find, but, and difficult to purchase, but alcohol is easy it is easy. Every corner has a, has a liquor store, has a convenience store where you can buy any form of alcohol. So yeah. that proves to be very, very hard, if, especially for someone who lives alone or lives with somebody who has opposite hours, that yeah. would be very difficult. And there's that accountability factor. It's like, well, who's going to know, right? Right. Right. So that that's where it gets to be a little bit difficult. Um. This is such an essential service that I think that you're providing and getting people healthy, getting people whole, and um, you know, just back to living, back to their life. So yeah. thank you so much for everything you do um, and everybody there at New Hope, with all of the various services that you have. So again, the website is New Hope Services, which is NU. H-O-P-E services.com. You're located in Lenexa, Kansas, but um, through the website, anybody can connect and, and contact yep. you for coaching.
2: Yep. Or re- regular services. They can set up an appointment or they can give me a, a call. Mm-hmm. Um, also kind of some history is on psychology today. So if you go to com, put in my name, you can pull up my information as well. And it's New Hope service.
1: Oh, service. No yeah,
2: no S on. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can do that, but you know the the nice thing is that you'll always get somebody. Somebody will answer and somebody will talk to you, and most of the time it's me. So anything I can help with, I am here to be of service
1: wonderful wonderful thank you so much for talking to me uh talking with me today jolene it's been really eye-opening and i think informative i think this is going to help a lot of people so thank you so much for just spending the time today appreciate it no problem
2: it. it was my pleasure